inspiring and equipping you to live the life you're destined to live. This is the Ascend Men Podcast. Today, we're talking with Adrian Semerini, who started his church leadership as youth pastor at Combatant Baptist Church, whilst completing a BA in theology at the London School of Theology. In 2016, he followed a call to join Gamlingay Baptist Church, where he was inducted and ordained to be lead pastor. Married to Amanda, Adrian has three amazing children and loves coffee, beatboxing, and basketball. Welcome, Adrian. Hello, hello! Great to be here. Uh, you done your you done your homework there, yeah. Uh, coffee lover, coffee snob, but to, to, to some, but you know, <laughs> great stuff. And uh, and a bit of beatbox as well. I'm hoping to get you beatboxing by the end of this. That's that's part of the plan, right? Uh, okay. No, no. Okay. <laughs> Asking a few quick fire questions is our way of getting to know you. So uh, first up, signature method for getting into a swimming pool: is it a dive, jump, or dive bomb? Oh, it depends on the day. If I'm feeling, if I'm, if I'm really hot and just, you know, ready to go in, I'm just going to jump in full on dive bomb. I love a good dive though, but I'm a big guy. So it never looks like a beautiful dive. It just feels <laughs> it in my head. So I feel like I'm a professional diver, but everyone's kind of like, what's he doing? So, so yeah, one of those two usually. Yeah. Wonderful. Now we know you're a, uh, you love coffee. We know you're a coffee snob at times. So when you're in town, what cup is in your hand? Is it a Costa Starbucks Cafe Nero or something else? I'm not going to lie. I feel kind of insulted that those would even be the first ones offered. Um, if if I have a choice, I'm going to be going for like a hot numbers. Um, that's going to be kind of my, my top notch number, uh, hot numbers. I, I, I wouldn't mind a bold brothers, but, um, but where possible hot numbers. And it's usually going to be a, a nice uh, pour over. Um, but again, if not a, a, a note flat white, depending on the day. Wow. That's going over and beyond the, the question there. Um, <laughs> that's not a Cambridgeshire accent. So what's the story there? Yeah, it's not. Uh, it probably should be. I'm actually originally from Cambridge. I'm actually a rosy baby born in Cambridge. Uh, but my family has kind of lived all over the place. So not not missionaries in any way, shape or form. It was always either family or business. But at the age of two, moved from Cambridge uh, to Venezuela, lived in Venezuela for a bit, then Boston, then back here for a bit, then Ecuador. I spent uh, from the age of eight to 14 in Ecuador, lived in Quito and Guayaquil. Um, and then lived in Jacksonville, Florida. So I've kind of been around Florida was from 14 to 22 pretty much. And then I've been here ever since. So, uh, went to American schools, picked up American accents, fluent in English and Spanish. And, uh, um, yeah, kind of, I've traveled here and there. So it's been a bit of a bit of an adventure to my, to my American friends. I sound really British to my British friends. I sound really American. So I'm kind of just a mutt stuck somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, what a diverse background that might even feed into today's topic, which I know for you is a passion and that's around unity. Yeah. So what's behind that? Yeah. Well, I mean, so I didn't grow up with a faith. Uh, I grew up in, in a household, um, that I guess when, the, when, when mom and dad spoke of a God, it was more than anything, Hey, things are bad. We need financial help. So, so pray or something, you know, it was, we didn't really go to church or anything like that. Uh, and grew up in Latin America. So it was a bit more of a Catholic background. Came to faith, um, at, at kind of 19 was the start of the journey. 20 was when I committed at a, at an interdenominational student, um, ministry in, in Jacksonville, Florida. And, um, and what I absolutely loved about it was 
when I came to understand kind of who we were in the building, um, there were all sorts of different church backgrounds in that space. There were all sorts of different ethnicities, cultures. Um, and so you had, you know, your, your United Methodist, which is the church that, that I came to faith in, if you will. But then there was also your Baptists and, um, the slightly more Anglican style, which don't always call themselves Anglicans, but they do more now. There were all sorts of different things. We had the, you know, the, 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 the very hardcore Calvinist and the more Armenian in terms of the theologies. These are things that kind of little by little opened my eyes to the fact that it was a beautiful melting pot of people mm. who love Jesus. But that hasn't been my experience everywhere else, I guess. When I, when I moved to the UK, for example... I, uh, I came from a, you know, a thousand person church in the States, uh, two services, 500 per service, you know, 30, 40 person choir with a 10 piece band every Sunday, loved it. Um, and I, I landed here on a Friday and when was invited to go to church on a Sunday. And at the time I was in Comberton. So I walked into Comberton Baptist church and it was a little old Agnes playing the organ, uh, in a building that seated maybe 70 people. And I was like, well, hold on a second. Like talk about kind of church culture shock, if you will. Mm. (laughs) Um, But, but from there kind of exploring different churches and connecting with others. And I remember being sat in in a student service of a relatively big church in the center of Cambridge and, um, and knowing that there was another church literally, you know, less than a mile away doing the same kind of thing. And I said to somebody in the church, Oh, so, so when are we going to connect with them? When are we going to do something with them? And they said, no, no, we don't do that. They do their thing. We do ours. And I kind of went, why is that? Oh, well, because, you know, they're doing their, they're, they're doing them and we're doing us. I'm like, but we love the same Jesus. We worship the same, you know, we, we, we are here to do the same thing. Granted, we might do things a little bit differently and perhaps our, our styles of preaching or um, maybe the worship might be a little bit different, but, but can we not come under the fact that we love Jesus and move together in that? And it, and it, and it was a real, it was a real struggle for me. Yeah, I can I can see that, and it's clear you're talking about unity within the church as well as unity between churches. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think we're called to be united within our own individual churches, and that's obviously important. I think we're called we're family, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm. We are, you know, adopted into the kingdom. We are co-heirs with Jesus, but we are family. So, hey, but it's beyond just that. I mean, any anybody who professes Jesus, who loves him, who's given their lives to Jesus, is my brother or sister. Like you are my brother. You know, and and so for some people, they're like, "Oh no, Adrian's my family member. Oh, I'm stuck with him for all of eternity." Oh no, like there's, but but it's a reality, and I don't think we necessarily live out our life as we are family. Um, yeah. You know, we are denominationally the most broken we've ever been throughout the history of churches. There are more denominations now than ever before. And there are going to be more because, you know, theological differences around certain areas, uh, perhaps another conversational topic for another day, um, are splitting the churches worldwide. And I understand that there is something to say in terms of our differences and, and hey, maybe we we struggle with our theological interpretation. But I think there are some things that are really clear cut. We are called to be one. You know, Jesus mm. in his high priestly prayer in John 17 openly prays, hey, Father, would would those who believe in me follow me? Would they be one as you and I are one? Yet we're not seeing mm. that. We're not reflecting that. So I think there's a big challenge for us in that. So you're starting to touch on the symptoms of disunity, um, but I'm interested in the causes. Like, what's behind that? Because in, in Francis Chan's book, and he says that despite what many in the church say, doctrine is not at the root of most division. Mm. The main problem is the shallowness or non-existence of our love for each other, which comes from a shallowness in our understanding of the gospel. 
Would you agree with that? Amen, 100%. <laughs> um, but I, I would go a step further, I think, because I think to really pinpoint why we're divided, I think ultimately it comes down to our humility. We are not humble enough to accept that we may have something wrong or something different. And even, even in Francis Chan's kind of little spiel, we're not humble enough to turn around to say, actually, I don't love you enough. Uh, we're not humble mm-hmm. enough to say, I don't love God enough. Ultimately, our... our our MO, uh, our, and, and please hear me when I say our, I include myself in this. This is not me looking at everybody else going, this is what you must fix. This is us as a people. You know, our way of moving forward is to say, well, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. And and I might be convinced a little bit, and so little by little, but then when I'm, once, once my mind is changed, I'm now right again. So everybody has to get on my wavelength. And actually there's, there's a difference in us saying, well, hold on, maybe there's, maybe there's a different way. So maybe the way I love you, you know, there's amazing books on love languages, the five love languages. It's a book I recommend for all. Um, and, and even for guys, I know that a, a lot of guys out there are like, oh, it's a bit lovey-dovey <laughs> and it can be, but it's a really good book because it talks about the fact that we all have a love language. And if I'm insisting on loving people the way I want to be loved, but their love language is something different, they're not going to feel or receive that love. And so there's something to say that even in how we're called to love one another and how we're called to journey as brothers and sisters, I need to recognize that the way I love you, Alan, is going to be different from the way perhaps you will love me Mm. because we receive and give that love differently. So we have to be, so it takes effort. We have to be aware of that. And, and I think there's, there's, it comes to a root of humility. I, and I think one thing that, you know, I'm, I'm currently doing a master's and uh, on integrative theology and looking at how we integrate our theological methods into our study, but also beyond that into the world. And one of the things that I think I'm, I'm, I'm in process of trying to put together my dissertation. And so there's a lot of thoughts going through my head, but I think ultimately what is missing for all of these things is a theology of humility. And that isn't something that really exists we would all agree that we have to be humble. We all agree that's something biblical, scriptural, that Jesus teaches it. Yeah. But what does that mean? How, you know, and, and no one's ever gone, oh, this is the book on humility and how I achieved it. Like, it's like, the, <laughs> you know, great title. Some, exactly. Um, it, you know, it, no one really challenges that because it, it almost feels too difficult to achieve. But I think in our looking at humility, we can then look at the, the fact of like, you know what, perhaps the way I do things, the way I love people, the way even the way I'm loving God isn't to the fullest of the potential that it should be. So how can I go deeper in relationship with Jesus? How can I go deeper in relationship with my brothers and my sisters? How can I, even if I disagree theologically on other things, recognize that ultimately God is the judge, not me. And that ultimately I can step closer into relationship with, with each other because that's what Jesus prays for. Yeah. And and if we expand the field of view a little bit from church to society, you know what, what? What are the biggest underlying causes of disunity? Is it, is it racism, politics, class, wealth? Obviously, doctrine, but other belief systems as well. Whoa. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think it's all all of the above. Um, and, and again, I, I think it comes down to that central belief that I am right, and that and that it's all about me. Mm. And I think when our field of view is me centric we're going to realize that actually everybody else is second class. And so you can apply that to anything. You can apply that to race. Um, You know, Hey, if if you don't look like me, um, you're going to, you're, you're considered less than Um, you can consider that to, to, to class it to, you know, job. If I'm blue collar and and you're not like me then, or whatever it may be. And, And I think again, you know, and again, with faith, I mean, if you don't believe what I believe, then, then you're, then you're gone. And, and, and I think it's, it's one of those things that, 
there are going to be things that we're going to disagree on, mm-hmm. but how can we learn to disagree well? How can we recognize? And I think, I think there are some things that shouldn't exist. You know, I think racism is one of those things, you know, it, yeah. the, the, that just shouldn't be a thing. Um, classism shouldn't be a thing, but they are because of the fact that we see ourselves above everybody else. Yeah. So on that theme of I am right and it's all about me, that says to me social media has got a role to play or has a role in exacerbating the problem. What's your, what's your view on social media and, and unity? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think it's one of those things that social media is both a blessing and a curse. I would say, um, I think when you start talking about unity and uniting people, you know, we're more connected now than ever before in history. Um, you know, you and I right now are sat in different parts of, of Cambridgeshire having a conversation. Um, there are others. I mean, we could, you could, we could connect with somebody in the States in Australia in in whatever and be connected. Um, but our connectivity doesn't necessarily translate to unity. Um, and I think we're more aware of other people and we're connected in terms of information, but social media has very much become about consumerism and about content um, and how we focus on, you know, content creators are not just putting out things that we, Hey, this is what I want to talk about. So let's talk about it and put it out. And if people watch, they listen. Great. People, content creators are literally going, what is it that, the the content viewer wants um how do i get them to click and watch how do i cl- get them to click and engage and and it, it's become less about simply connecting people into our conversations and more about trying to please that egocentricness um so but but i'm but i am a person who's on social media you know i'm on instagram i'm on i'm on facebook i'm on twitter so so there's there's a place for it i think but again i think if we wrap it with that of faith we need to almost maybe take, take a step back and go, is this enabling me to love others? Is this enabling me to connect with others and meet with others? Or is this enabling me to build me up? You know, one of the most ridiculous filters at the moment, um, which, which a lot of people are pulling out and, and they've kind of always been there, but there's this like glamor filter that you, that, that people are putting on that is so AI. Um, so, um, so transformative that it doesn't even blur if you put your hand in front of it. Like it doesn't look like a filter, but it transfigures the person behind it ridiculously to the point where when the filter's off, it doesn't even remotely look like you, but it's the perfect magazine version of you. You know, things like that are not healthy because actually that isn't just a bit of a connectivity. That isn't a, that is, let me sell, let me, let me make me look like what I think the world wants to see and put that out there. Um, so, so there are definitely downsides to it, but again, I think we have a responsibility to walk alongside one another and encourage one another and connect in those places. Sure. Absolutely. So, so humility is the antidote to selfish ambition and power, which may be at the source of disunity. What practical steps can we take to be more humble? Ah, this is the, the, the book, isn't it? Like this is humility and how I achieved it. Uh, um, I think, Without sounding over spiritual, I think the first thing, specifically for us who who love God, who love Jesus, the first thing we need to do is is really humble ourselves before God and come and just bow down. Um, you know, the, the word submission is used in scripture. We're called to submit to to God, submit to one another as well, but we don't like that. So I think we need to, we need to wrap our head around the fact that actually submission isn't a bad thing. Um, and I think, dare I say, perhaps, especially men, <laughs> uh, we have this, this view that actually being submissive is the bad thing. That is not our role as men. 
actually that's that's not true we are called to submit we're called so i think it starts with let me come to jesus um let me you know really come and recognize that for me to really love god i need to submit i need to humble myself you know uh 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 John the Baptist prayer, essentially, of, of what I decrease that you would increase, right? I pray that on a regular basis for myself and for our church and, you know, Lord, more of you and less of us. Yeah. And so I think humility starts there between us and God. But I think as we then go from there with God, hopefully as we submit to God, we're allowing God by his Holy Spirit to, to challenge us, to convict us, to do work in us, to then recognize that actually how we interact with one another perhaps hasn't always been the most united. And so then it allows me to then go out and say, well, okay, how can I love more? How can I hold those who I disagree with close to me? I was on a panel on, on, um, a couple of days ago, uh, talking around, um, you know, big topics of human sexuality. And, uh, and, and one of the things that, that, um, that somebody said was God calls us even to love our enemies. I'm like, yes, but, but I think we need to take a step back and say, the person who disagrees with me theologically isn't my enemy. So yes, we're called to love our enemies, and, and there's a whole theology around that, but just because you disagree with me, whether it be around human sexuality, whether it be about women in ministry, whether it be about power of the Holy Spirit, whatever, or even with this, even if you disagree with me about submission and humility, mm. you're not my enemy if you disagree with me. Mm. You are still my brother in Christ. You're still my sister in Christ. So we start from that place of united in Christ already to then go even closer. Mm. I am... One of the things I, I loved and and a slight tangent here. So I did a retreat once at a, at a Benedictine monastery, um, which in itself was very different. And as you can tell, I'm a talker. They don't talk, you know, meal times was absolute silence. And one of the monks was in the corner, either reading scripture over us or reading church history over us. It was incredibly surreal, <laughs> but I, I went to all their services and they gather, you know, several times throughout the day, there's little kind of services. And, and one of the monks gave a homily and whether or not he did it, he, he spoke it because I was in the room or not. I don't know, but I loved it. And it's always stuck with me. He said, you know, the, the way we as the churches and, you know, or the church, big C church gather and unite is by keeping our eyes on Jesus and walking towards Jesus. If Jesus mm -hmm. is at the center and we're all a big circle around him, mm -hmm. as I walk closer to Jesus, even though I disagree with the person on the other side of the circle, as I walk closer to Jesus and they walk closer to Jesus, we both end up getting closer to one another as well. Yep. And that is such a beautiful picture, I think, because actually, if I recognize you're not my enemy, if I recognize we might disagree, but we're going to keep on walking towards Jesus. Yeah. And as you get closer and I get closer, automatically you and I are getting closer. That's a great image. Yeah. It's phenomenal yeah. because actually our unity, therefore we recognize and realize ultimately comes from Jesus. That's a great, that's a great way to close. I think the phrase you used, which is to hold those that disagree with me close to me. Is a, is a great start point for a challenge to our guys, which is uh, let's not avoid the people who we might disagree with or we find difficult. Let's get closer to them. And in that process, we'll demonstrate Christ's love for us and we'll we'll get closer to Christ and get closer to each other as a, as a result. Absolutely. That's amazing. Beautifully said. <laughs> Thank you so much, Adrian. Uh, we really enjoyed your visit to our Ascend Breakfast um, a few months ago, and it's been great having you on the podcast today. Uh, let's do this again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, I look forward to joining you in whatever capacity that is at some point soon. God bless you, brother. Thank you. That's it for this Ascend Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, please share it with a mate. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we are stronger.